Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Cortellinish podcast. I'm here today with Denis Tomei, um, good friend of the show. Actually had Denis on for the first time in February, and it was uh, such a great time that I had to have him back. Uh, Denis is Portuguese, and he supports, uh, like many other Portuguese people, he supports uh, Gil Vicente and Porto, uh, so two clubs. Obviously, you've got Porto, a team that's going to be competing for titles, and Gil Vicente, perhaps more of a local side. Uh, Dennis, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. You? I'm doing great. Really excited to be discussing both of your teams. Um, but I want to start off with Gil Vicente because mm-hmm. you are definitely one of my go-to uh, people for for Gil Vicente news. And like I said, the last time... Last time I had you on, uh, it was in the middle of February, and Gil Vicente were enjoying a phenomenal run of form. So uh, Gil Vicente, uh, they actually opened the uh, they opened 2022 with uh, a perfect record. Actually, didn't lose until April, uh, but they managed to beat Braga, Belenenses Sad, Bisad, uh, Vizela. Benfica, uh, Portimonense, and uh, Vitoria de Guimarães, as well as drawing to Boa Vista, Santa Clara, uh, Porto, despite playing with 10 men for uh, almost the entirety of the game, and uh, drawing to Estoril and Marichimo. Like I said, didn't lose until, uh, until April. And I would say that definitely the climax, at least one of the climaxes of Gil Vicente's uh, season came on March 13th, uh, 2022, a few weeks after we recorded our podcast. Uh, Gil Vicente facing off against Braga and uh, winning uh, in the 88th minute via a uh, goal from Henrik Gomes, a left back who had just come on at 26 seconds before scoring in the 88th minute. And uh, was absolutely bonkers. I, you know, at that point, you had the feeling that something special was definitely happening in Barcelos. Gil Vicente at the time uh, beating Braga to go one point behind, uh, one point behind Braga with eight matches left. And from that point on, I think it's clear that the wheels started to fall off. Uh, Gil Vicente from from Gil Vicente's phenomenal season. Uh, after that win against Braga on March 13th, they would only win one game, uh, which came against a Tondela side that was relegated at the end of the season. They would lose to uh, Vitoria de Guimaraes, Sporting, Murrens, another team that ended up getting relegated, and losing to Arauca, drawing to Marichimo Fumalicao, uh, Passos de Fajera. But despite that poor end to the season, they still managed to finish fifth, and uh, and and sealing European football for the first time in club history. Now, if you if, if anybody here regularly follows Portuguese football, you'll probably know what's going to happen next. Uh, Gil Vicente, obviously finishing fifth and getting themselves a lot of attention, ended up having their squad raided. Uh, we saw Samuel Lino, one of the best wingers in Portugal last season, uh, joining Atletico Madrid 
before moving to Valencia on loan. Pedrinho, the midfield maestro, the diminutive uh, composer in the center of the pitch, uh, moving to a newly promoted Turkish side that I cannot pronounce for the life of me. Um, and we also saw Zay Carlos, a player who was on loan from Braga uh, and was one of the best right backs in the league, in my opinion, uh, going back to Braga and then being loaned out to uh, a second tier side in Ibiza. So that's three starters right there in Zay, Pedrinho, Lino, Dennis. I may be missing one or two. I'm not sure. But uh, one of another massive blow for Gil Vicente was the loss of their manager, Ricardo Suarez. Ricardo Suarez uh, leading them to a fifth-place finish before uh, leaving the club just, I think, two days before uh, the preseason started and became Al-Ali's manager. So signed a two-year contract with them and yet didn't even last two months uh, was sacked with one game remaining in the league season after Alali confirmed to finish outside of the top two uh, positions in Egypt's top flight. So the, the decision to uh, leave Barcelos maybe worked well for Ricardo's pockets. Didn't work that well, though, for in terms of developing his status as a manager. Um, but let's take a look at how Gil Vicente have done following those departures. So reminder, finishing fifth last season, qualifying for Europe. Today, they are currently in the relegation playoff spot. All right. So that win in that win in March took them uh, one point behind Braga with eight points left. They end up finishing 14 points behind Braga. Um, today, after 11 matches played, Gil Vicente have nine points. Braga sitting second with 25. So that's a 16-point gap. Not great. Um, but Braga, of course, moving back into sole occupation of second place after beating Gil Vicente uh, in Barcelos, one nothing Goal from Yuri Medeiros. So, you know, if you look at this on paper, I guess it's not it's not terrible. You know, you're going up against a team that uh, until until this weekend was the highest scoring team in Portugal, um, a team that obviously has a lot more quality than Gil Vicente and uh, only losing one nothing. But should be noted that Stanislav Kritsyuk, uh, their goalkeeper, making five saves to keep Gil Vicente at bay. Uh, Kritsyuk making his second appearance of the season after starting in last week's uh, loss to Shavs. Uh, prior to that loss to Shavs, he had not played in almost a year. So big performance from him, uh, the Russian who returns to Gil Vicente. Now, you look at this form on paper for Gil Vicente, and it does not make for shall we say appetizing reading all right so they they win their first game of the league season against Passos de Vera one nothing a Paso side that currently sits bottom of the league and let's face it the only reason they won that was because of a goalkeeping error from uh, Passos's goalkeeper Jordi since then they beat Riga four nothing first ever home game first ever European home game in Gil Vicente's history uh, to book their ticket to the next Europa Conference League match Losing next game to Arauca, 
uh, being destroyed as Alkmaar by as Alkmaar six to one on aggregate um, to miss out on qualification for the Europa Conference League group stage. And yes, yeah, since that they uh, since that loss to Arauca, they've drawn to Famalicão, uh, Vizela, um, Rio Ave. Uh, lost to Porto and their only league win actually coming against Marichimo, who uh, are in the relegation playoff, are in the relegation zone. And that loss to Braga is now their fourth straight uh, league defeat for Gil Vicente after losing to Sporting, Istorial, Chaves, and Braga. And yeah, they are currently in the relegation playoff spot level on points with Santa Clara, four points above Marichimo and seven points from Passos de Pe- uh, uh, above last place Passos de Pera. Dennis, uh, it has been quite the roller coaster 2022 for Jill Vicente, but overall, what are your expectations and wh- what have you made from this Jill Vicente side this season under new manager Ivo Vieira? Oh, man. Um, it, we were always going to be worse than we were like, last season. I think everyone knew that. It was going to be impossible to replicate everything they did. Um, but there have been some, like, it has been a bit worse uh, than expected still. Um, we started the season off uh, well, because we, we knew there were going to be some. If Vieira came in as a last second, if Ricardo Swatch started preseason with Gilles, and then at the last minute, um, just took Ali's offer. Iviera came as a replacement, and I'm guessing that in two, one or two weeks, he had his first game um, against Riga. So we knew there were going to be some adaptation problems in the beginning. Uh, even though the Jill as a club right now has a project of playing good football, so it's not like a total drastic change in style, but Still, they're different managers with uh, some different ideas. And obviously, a, a decent overhaul in the squad. Like, oh, some players left, but a lot of them came in. Um, so we knew there were going to be some problems. And knowing all that, uh, the first draw to Riga was all right. Uh, we could see some issues, but then convincing win against them, the win versus Spassus wasn't great, but. It, at least it was a win. Um, but then it started going downhill. Uh, we simply couldn't compete with Azea, Alkmaar. Uh, the squad simply isn't good enough. I think we, if we had an easier draw, we could have, I think there, was, there were teams in that playoff that we could have beaten. Uh, Azea was not one of them. They were simply better than us. Their squad is much better. They can play at another level. And then in the league, it just hasn't been as good as it should be. Mentioning Juan Manuel Bocelli, an, an Uruguayan player uh, who came from Tondela, I thought was one of the, was actually a decent uh, bright spot from an otherwise dismal Tondela side. Uh, Bocelli grabbing a goal in his first match um, against Riga and uh, scoring on August uh, 25th scoring against Oz Alkmaar in the defeat, scoring four days later um, against Fizella, played a few more matches, but actually has not played 
since that one nothing loss to Estoril Praia. And yeah, it, it's one of those things that boggles the mind. I'm not sure if there's some injury going on with Boselli, but I don't believe he was even on the bench um, yesterday. And, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see what happens because I think that he's a player who can help this Jill side out uh, a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that's very much a head scratcher. Can Jill Vicent turn this around? They're going to kick off the the weekend uh next weekend's action by uh, hosting portmanench in barcelos will be very interesting to see what happens let's talk about the other games though from uh match day 11 uh dennis i want to start off by by taking a look at the first game of the weekend and that was uh that was pasos de fajera going up against marichimo so this was a really interesting match because um, both of these teams, they were they were level on uh, level uh, with two points at the bottom of the table. Uh, just historically bad, uh, historically bad results for both of them. Marichimo and Basos, actually two of the only teams uh, to to fail to win a single match in their first ten Primera matches. Um, and it does not, it does not bode well for either of them, but yeah, uh, Marichimo coming into this game on the back of two straight draws, uh, to pick up their first two points of the season. And yeah, taking on Pasos de Fajera, um, in Pasos de Fajera and grabbing a, uh, opening the scoring in the 28th minute from Jesus Ramirez. Uh, this was, I think the biggest shock of either lineup. Jesus Ramirez 24-year-old Venezuelan striker getting his first start over Joel Tago, a Cameroonian striker who I believe is the fourth uh, all-time leading scorer uh, in Marichimo's history, maybe third, but he's done a lot for Marichimo, but he was benched, uh, came off the bench in the 79th minute for Jesus, who, uh, as we mentioned, scored a goal. Bruno Chalas setting up the, uh, the goal in the early on. And uh, and yeah, Marichimo holding on for a one nothing win, and that is their first win in all competitions since April sixteenth, uh, which is and also the their first win, uh, their first clean sheet since April sixteenth. Um, they 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 have been absolutely dismal this season. In fact, they lost to a second-tier side, Mafra, in the Taça de Portugal. Um, Passos, though, been just as bad, really, have it, have had a terrible start the season, apart from um, a two back-to-back draws, 1-1 draw against Santa Clara and a 1-1 draw against Arauca to start October. Uh, they have been dismal. Coming on, coming into this game with four, uh, three straight losses in all competitions, including a loss to lower-tier Vitoria de Stubel, which saw Cesar Peixoto lose his job, replaced by Jose Mota. So two of the only three teams who have changed managers so far alongside Famalicao, uh, Jose Mota's Passos losing to João Enriquez's uh, Marichimo. And that means that Passos are currently bottom of the table with two points uh, and... And yeah, overall, just a dismal run of form for them. 
They have not won a single match since April 9th, coincidentally uh, beating Marichimo 2-0. That was actually their last clean sheet as well. Um, So, yeah, it's hard to stress just how poor both sides have been. But curious, Dennis, what did you make of this match? I didn't see much of it. I was busy, but um, I, I it's just been an awful start for both teams, and I wasn't really expecting it. Um, I was expecting both clubs to do a bit better this season, especially because they both Cesar Peixoto and Vasco Siabra showed some promising signs last season, and I was expecting like with the preseason, the transfer window, they will both you know improve a little bit. Uh, but the opposite happened. They they both got a lot worse, and I don't really know what what happened there. I'm not fully, I'm the most, I'm not the most knowledgeable person on Pastor Jorge Maritim. There are better per- people to talk the, about those two clubs, but um, it's just been kind of sad because they're two historical clubs in Portugal, and seeing them be this bad, it's it's um, tragic. Um, I saw that Bruno Chadas has been one of the few bright spots in the Maritime squad. He's been doing pretty well. Uh, well, considering <laughs> the rest of the team and uh, how the squad's been doing. Uh, but yeah, I didn't see much of the of that match. It's an interesting one, Dennis, because you know, you look at you look at the players that Passos lost this summer. Not too much big departures. I mean, yes, th- there are some names like Maracas, Elder Ferreira. I think the biggest departures, though, have been uh, Andre Ferreira, one of the best goalkeepers in the league for me, going to uh, Granada. Um, mm-hmm. And really, the, the other options have just not been able to cut it. And uh, another big departure, Nuno Santos, um, at a promising loan spell, Return to Benfica and then move to Charlotte FC on a permanent deal. If you haven't yet, definitely check out my exclusive interview with Nuno Santos on Breaking the Lines. Really excited to see him doing well in MLS. But, uh, you know, with with that being said, there is some talent in this Paso squad. You know, you've got uh, likes of Machoy Jallo in midfield, youngest player to uh, debut in the Primera Liga in 2019. Uh, you've got Vitorino Antunes at left back. You know, some some decent players. And yet it just does not seem like they are able to make it quick. But I do think that, uh, y- you know, I, I do think that Pasos fans can at least take some solace in the fact that the man leading them right now uh is probably one of the greatest men in Pasos de Bahia history. Made nearly 200 appearances for them as a player. Spent uh, three spent spent several years as an assistant coach and as well as a head coach before leaving uh, for Santa Clara in 2003. Came back to Pasos just three months later and spent I think five years at the club. In fact, leading them to their first ever European qualification. Jose Mota, he's back. After I believe thirteen years, uh, been a while. But do you think that Jose Mota is from from what you've seen of his teams? Do you think he's the right man to get Passos out of this funk? Jose Mota is part of that uh, group of managers that we in Portugal call the the carousel, as in 
they always seem to rotate in these bottom bottom of the league teams. Whenever someone is in trouble, they get this Jose Mota, they get Lito Vidigal, those type of managers. Uh, and while I respect what he did with Passage in the past, I'm not sure he, he's the guy to do it right now in 2022. Uh, and from what I see from uh, Passage fans, I don't think they're excited to about Jose Mota's appointment either. I just think he's maybe his time has gone. I don't know. I just think uh, maybe football has gone past him, but like it's one of those managers really don't bring anything new. It's hard to do anything good in these situations, obviously. Uh, we've seen times, as I said, with this carousel of managers. They always come into these jobs. They're like, they're tough. You know, you get a demotivated team, uh, usually a, a weak squad, uh, already fighting for relegation where every match is a final. They're tough jobs to do, but they don't, it's not like they change the teams. They go there, they fight until the last second, and then boom, that's it. And next season, try again. Because there's never really, they're not the managers to go there and change the project and like bring something really good into life into like one or two seasons. They're just managers for the short plan, save us, and next season we'll go again. So I doubt it. Passos are the first team in 26 years uh, to pick up two points or fewer after 11 games, first since Fuav back in 1996-97. Their next match will see them travel to the Estadio de Dergao and take on Porto. Hard to see them getting a point there, I'll be honest, but it will be interesting to see what happens. Marichimo, on the other hand, going to be taking on Famalicao. In fact, the final match of this uh, weekend will take place today. Vitoria de Guimaraes hosting Famalicao. will be interesting to see what happens in that match. But Marichimo, um, you know, drawing back-to-back games to Boavista and Arauca, beating Passos, has the chance to, to, to you know, host a Famalicao side that is fighting relegation and uh, not in a great moment right now. Um, you know, I, I it'll be very interesting to see if, if they can pull themselves out of this hole. Uh, they've been in the Primera for, you know, nearly 40 years now, um, uninterrupted. And I, I, I definitely would like to see them stay in, in the Primera. But do you, do you think that they have what it takes to avoid the drop and get out of uh, trouble because we saw last season, Marichimo, you know, they were in relegation trouble. I, I think they were in um, last place in, in November when, when their manager, uh, Julio Velasquez was sacked, replaced by Vasco Siabra, Siabra leading them to a comfortable mid table finish. You know, do, do you feel that there's maybe a chance that this squad is underperforming at their current level, or do you just think that, the the quality is not there in the squad. I think Maritim could have improved their squad a lot more from last season. I think right now this squad, it, it, I think they're doomed to fight for relegation until the end of the season. I think it depends a lot on Jean Henriques and what he does with the current squad. Obviously, again, there's a 
a World Cup break and everything can happen there. I think we'll, we'll see a lot of changes in form. And obviously a transfer window can also change a lot of stuff. But right now I don't see the enough quality for them to like get a safe mid-table finish like they did last year. I think it's going to be really down to what João Henrique can pull out of this current squad because it's a tough year because the teams that uh, got promoted this year are very good. They are they're, They didn't come in to fight for relegation. They came in and I would say most of them are going to finish mid-table or better. So it's a very tough year for the other teams. You mentioned those newly promoted teams last season. Uh, it was it was it was very interesting for sure. Vizela uh, and Arauca both promoted sides, both of them narrowly avoiding relegation on the second to last week. And um, we also saw who who was the Estoril. Estoril was the other newly promoted side. They finished ninth. So decent. Uh, decent spell for both those. But yeah, I agree. I think that you look at the teams right now and they are doing very well, the newly promoted sides. Hiuav currently 13th, Shavs 11th, Kasapia, on the other hand, are 4th. It has been an absolutely phenomenal campaign for Kasapia. Um, and yeah, they are one point above sporting playing top flight football for the first time in 83 years. And yet, uh, yeah, currently in the top four after beating fellow promoted side, Hiuav won nothing yesterday. This was an emotional match for various reasons. Um, but the biggest reason for sure was, was Casapia manager, Philippe Martins found out that he'd lost his father. Uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning and yet remained in charge for this game. And uh, the, the squad definitely put up a, a fantastic performance, winning one nothing via a late goal from Xavier Godwin. Xavier Godwin, having a very good season, the Nigerian winger, uh, got an assist in last week's match, a 3-1 loss uh, at Sporting, and had previously scored against Pasos de Pera in that 3-2 win in September, had scored in the 2-0 uh, win against Boavista. Uh, you know, there are definitely quite a few key players in this in this fantastic start for, for Casapia from the captain Vasco Fernandes in the middle of the back three, uh, Ricardo Batista in goal. So many that we, we I want to mention, but I want to talk about Xavier Godwin. Uh, 26 years of old, 26 years old, Played an important role in their promotion last season and uh, has really taken the top flight by the scruff of his neck. What have you made of Savior so far? He's a very interesting player. Um, I think you see his prototype of player a lot of a lot of times, but he's been having a great season. <clears throat> he's just that physical, uh, space exploring, fast player. Um, but he can. He's not limited in that sense he can he has decent vision he can combine with his um teammates decently uh and i think he complements the the rest of the attacking trio of casapia really well uh and in a side that is so good defensively uh and so solid then just uh, having an outlet to play that long ball and counterattack that fast he's been like super important for them 
Absolutely. Casapia, this is their sixth clean sheet um, in their first 11 league matches, seven uh, in all competitions. I think you mentioned that, though, I mean, Casapia, their attack is is very good. Uh, they've they have scored um, 11 match, 11 goals in their first 11 matches. Perhaps not that fantastic, but you look at the, the players there, Takahiro, Kurimoto, Savior Godwin, some good names there. But for sure, their their defense is is the reason is pr- probably the biggest reason why they are they are in the top four. Eight goals conceded thus far. Three of those coming uh, in last week's loss to Sporting. And um, yeah, that is the second best defense behind Benfica. Um, uh, talk to me a little bit about this team, though, on a tactical standpoint. Playing a 3-4-3 does seem like everybody is, is, is uh, they, they know their role in this team, but... You know, from a tactical standpoint, what do you think have been the biggest reasons why Casapia have had such a phenomenal start to the campaign? It's just the kind of the beauty of the three, uh, the three, four, three. It's just a really, just really simple football. Uh, they have three really solid center backs. Um, then the on the wings, they have players that give them that. Um, <laughs> depth and then creative outlet on Kudimoto. Um two balanced guys in midfield in uh, Tyra and Neto even though Romar, Romario Varó has played a couple of games um, helping them a little bit more on offense than Neto usually does um, and then that runner in Godwin and just a goal scorer neither Rafael Martins or I'm forgetting his name right now but the other striker they played yesterday the Brazilian one, Clayton, Clayton, yeah. Uh, as a pure goal scorer, I think it's just a really like straightforward way of playing football, but really in, well built and really solid. And I like that. Um, I don't know if they have a lot of depth, but they, but a team like Casablanca doesn't really need a lot of depth. They, they're not in a lot of competitions, right? It's not like they have Europe. It's usually these teams, most of the teams in the league. Only play one game per week. Sometimes they have a pass or Tasa Liga, but it's rare. So you just have a really solid 11. They barely rotate. Uh, they rotated a bit in the striker position and Romario, I think, and that's pretty much it. Romario for Neto and Clayton for Rafael Martins. I think that's pretty much it. They have a good player in the squad in Diogo Pinto and he still hasn't, pretty much hasn't played, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think they just really play really solidly to what they know, play to their strengths, and it's been really working. Huav, uh, that's now three defeats in their last four matches in all competitions, the only exception being a one nothing win against uh, 10-man Portimonench. They're going to be hosting Boavista in their next match. will be interesting to see what happens in that game. Casapia, though, on the other hand, yeah, fourth in the table, uh, just three points behind Porto, five behind Braga, one above Sporting. Their next match is going to see them uh, travel to Braga um, before the Tasa de Portugal action. They have a important match midweek. Um, 
and it'll be very interesting to see what happens that losing their last Europa League match one nothing to Union Berlin taking on Malmo midweek um and you know it's this is a massive match for them because Braga they are used to being in the latter rounds of the Europa League but right now they're on the outside looking in um they are 100% guaranteed to be playing Europe next season but they're currently third uh 7 points above Malmo two behind Union Berlin and six behind Union Saint-Gilois so they need to hope that uh that Union Saint-Gilois beat Union Berlin they need to also hope that uh that they get a win against Malmo in order to qualify for the Europa knockout round going to be very interesting uh I'm I'm excited to see what happens for sure but Discussing the other Primera Liga action, we've discussed a few matches so far. I want to touch up on your other team, Dennis, uh, in Football Club Porto. Um, so Porto, you know, they they had kind of a poor end to September, poor month, shall we say. Started off the season well before uh, losing to Huav on August 28th, bouncing back with a win against Gil Vicente. Then losing to Atletico de Madrid, beating Chaves, losing to Club Bruges, and drawing to Estoril Praia, returning from the international break with a, a massive win against Braga, beating Leverkusen, beating Portimonense, beating Leverkusen again, beating Anadia before losing to Benfica in the Clásico, bouncing back with a 4 nothing win against Club Bruges. And uh, as a result, they have kind of mimicked Sporting's achievement of last season where uh, Sporting, like Porto this season, lost their first two Champions League matches and yet qualified for the knockout round with one match remaining. So uh, it essentially means that they, yeah, they they are uh, confirmed to, to be playing knockout round football. They have a slight chance of getting uh, first place. Need to hope that Club Bruges... Um, that 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 they drop points against Leverkusen uh, midweek, whereas Porto, yeah, taking on Atlético de Madrid um, in the final match day, but had another slip up in the Primera Liga. One week after losing to Porto, they draw one one to Santa Clara, um, taking the lead via three minutes from Fabio Cardoso. Fabio Cardoso, who by the way. Uh, joined Porto in the summer of 2021 from Santa Clara. Santa Clara ended up replacing him with Kennedy Boateng. Um, and it is that Kennedy Boateng who equalizes for Santa Clara in the 83rd minute. Uh, Porto, yeah, they trying to get a result, had seven minutes of stoppage time. I'll be honest, I, I was not sure where the referee got seven mat, seven minutes from uh but but it didn't matter Santa Clara end up drawing 1-1 to Porto much needed uh point for for Santa Clara who yeah have had a dismal run of form um to start the season with uh with with just three draws so far against uh Casapia Passos de Feira um and now Porto as well as uh, six losses to Boavista, Arauca, Famalicao, uh, Vitoria, Hioav, Sporting, and uh, and Tondela in the Tasa. That's seven in all competitions. 
Um, and their only win, uh, their only win prior to last weekend had come against Marichimo. However, Santa Clara bouncing back from that loss uh, to Tondela in the cup with a one nothing win against Vizela, a Vizela side who who went down to ten men after two minutes, and uh, and yeah, Santa Clara going from winning one nothing via a 87th minute goal from Bruno uh, Almeida and to to drawing uh, Porto at home. And so as a result of that, Porto find themselves eight points behind uh, Benfica. They find themselves in third place. And yeah, it just it does seem like the title is is slipping away from their grasps. I mean, you can never write off Porto under Sergio Conceição, but I'm curious, what did you make of this performance, Dennis? Um, I think that, you know, I, I looked at their lineup and it was pretty much a first choice lineup apart from Pepe being injured uh, in, in central defense, missing out there, as well as Steven Lustakio, of course, being suspended after his expulsion against Benfica. Bruno Costa starting in the double pivot alongside Mateo Soribe, setting up the opening goal, and yet... Porto unable to get that second goal, unable to put this game away, and paying the price dearly. Um, talk to me a little bit about this match. What can be said other than Porto was just bad? Um, it's one of those games in the league where Porto just try to coast through because, you know, as a big team, you usually have enough individual quality to coast through some of these games without playing your best, but individual quality will just save you. But if you look at the current squad, there are some great players, but there are also some other players who are not performing at their level, or the level they're supposed to perform at Porto. Uh, so, yeah, they're just bad. I, I would love to point out like a specific reason. Maybe I, I could see a lack of motivation from them, uh, they, I feel like they, they looked like they barely tried. Um, but I think it was just um, lack of of game quality. They just didn't perform as well as they're supposed to. And Santa Clara weren't great, but a team like Santa Clara right now, they'll fight until the end for every single point they can get. And that was enough to be better than Porto, especially in the second half and just get the points that deserved. It's, an, it's a very interesting one, Dennis. Um, I, I I don't really know what to make of it. Porto, they just seem to blow hot and cold. Um, and, and yeah, another big slip-up for them. Uh, Benfica, on the other hand, extending their lead atop the table with a 5-0 win against Chaves. Um, David Neres getting his first start since the start of the month and uh, opening the scoring in the second minute. Alex Grimaldo doubling the lead, eventually winning uh, 5 nothing. So, yeah, fantastic win for them. Benfica, they just seem unstoppable at the moment. I mean, do you, do you see – what do you think have been the biggest reasons why they are one of the best teams in Europe right now? In fact, the only undefeated team in Europe – apart from Napoli and Paris Saint-Germain. Good manager, good squad, 
even though they don't have a lot of depth in midfield, I think they're so they're only fail in that squad with a little, the keeper, but they have a lot of depth in defense. And overall, they have a lot of quality in the squad and a good manager. And that's it. They've just been easily the best team in Portugal, playing the best football. I think they absolutely deserve the spot they're in right now, both in the league and in European competitions. And if I'm being honest, I see them... It's still soon, still early, but I see them winning the league comfortably, kind of. Uh, I don't really see anyone who can stop. I see, I think Porto always fight till the end. Braga, I don't think they have what it takes to fight until the end. But I think Benfica will win the league comfortably, and they deserve it. They've just been the better team by far. Yeah, I do think that Benfica, all signs point to them winning their first league title in four years Gotta say, I, I really hope that Porto and Sporting can and, and Braga can get back into the fight because I I just don't like it when a team runs away with a title. I think that's one of the biggest uh that's perhaps one of the biggest advantages of the Primera Liga. You always get uh you always get you, you almost always get competitive title races. But yeah, it's shaping up to be I think it, you know, a a runaway title win. I think it could be similar to that Porto team under Andre Villas-Boas, who wrapped up the 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 title in in what early mid April. Um, mm-hmm. They're playing so much better than anyone else right now. And on the same day that they beat Chaves five nothing, Porto draw to Santa Clara and Sporting lose one nothing at Arauca. Arauca taking the lead after halftime from Joao Basso and uh, holding on to a one nothing win. Uh, Big-time performance from Uruguayan goalkeeper Ignacio de Arroa Buena, who got six, six saves, uh, six of them from inside the box. Sporting another very disappointing result uh, for them. Unlike Porto and Benfica, they are not guaranteed um, to be in the Champions League round of 16. Currently level on seven points with Eintracht, one point above Marseille, one point above Tottenham. We'll see what happens. They are going to be hosting Eintracht Frankfurt on the final match day. Hopefully they can get a uh, result and join them. But... Overall, yeah, poor start to poor poor run of form uh, for Sporting. You know, apart from uh, apart from that uh, win against uh, that uh, that win against Casapia last week, and the win at the start of the month against Santa Clara, they have the, the their October has seen them lose twice to Marseille, lose to third tier Varzim, drawing to Tottenham, and uh, losing to Arauca, and. It just seems like things are going stale at the moment for Ruben Amorim's side. I mean, it seems like we are reaching really their first ever crisis under Amorim. Um, talk to me a little bit about this sporting season, Dennis. Uh, uh, it's hard because last game, I think everyone could tell you that that could very easily happen, that they could very easily lose. Um when you when you see the lineup, and you see the poor run of form they've been in, when you rotate that much in this kind of form, you're asking to have a bad result. And 
you mentioned the Champions League, and I think that's key. They just, Amorim just decided that to sh- going to the Champions League knockouts is a lot more important for the project right now than these three points versus Aroca. So he rotated the squad heavily. Uh, playing Nazinho and Dario Esuco in a game like that is kind of crazy. Uh, and well, they they got punished for it. Uh, and I think that's kind of it. In the when the ring wants to rotate, he has to play Nazinho and Esuco with all respect for them. But they're still like very young players who I don't think are ready for it. And they've like Nazinho also played for Tottenham, and I just don't think Sporting have a good enough squad to fight for everything the fans want them to fight for. And I think getting you to the Champions League knockouts would be amazing for the current sporting squad, for the project, and for what a Marine can do with the squad. If he manages that, especially knowing that the two losses were weird, uh, we all know what happened those two games versus Marseille, all those red cards, all those situations, just very weird games. Um, it's been like in Europe, it's been great by Amorim. And I think he has been focusing on that because he started the season off poorly, you know, lost to Chaves. And I think he's just, I don't want to say he gave up. I think he'll still try to win every match. But last weekend, he just looked at Roca and looked at Frankfurt and decided. European knockouts are and the financial compensation from it are a lot more important than these three points versus Eroka because I think he has the same idea as me, especially the way Amoring seems to think and is a very direct and honest person. If you ask him right now, I think he would have like the same opinion as me. I think he sees already Benfica winning the title, even though he'll probably never come out and say it right now. Uh, I think he'll still try to win every game, but he just focus on Europe right now, and I I get it. Yeah, very very interesting. Sporting their next match, we'll see them host Vitoria de Guimarães. Arauca, on the other hand, going to be taking on Vizela, Vizela, a team that uh, yeah faced off against Boavista at the Estadio da Bessa. Boavista taking lead from after four minutes from Masaki, Masaki Watai. Uh, conceding two goals in quick succession and yet um, drawing 2-2 after a penalty from Yusufa and Jay, who would uh, end up missing a penalty shortly after Vizela going down to 10 men uh, shortly after from Rafael Guzzo, who picked up a second yellow. Pretty crazy match for both of those sides, but ends up being a 2-2 draw between Boavista and Vizela. Um, similar match going on between Portimonense and Storiel um, and Storiel took the lead after 22 minutes from Edison and uh, ended up going down to 10 men after Daniel Figueira, their goalkeeper, picked up a second yellow. Uh, Portimonense getting a penalty, had it, having, having it saved. Brian Rochez's uh, effort being saved by Pedro Silva. And, um, and, and shortly after, in the 88th minute, uh, Portimonense get another penalty. This time it's Wellington Jr. who takes it. And Wellington Jr., he makes no mistake. Uh, Portimonense sharing the spoils in a 1-1 draw against Estoril, uh level on points at 16. Will be very interesting to see 
what happens for both of those teams at the, as the season progresses. Estoril going to be hosting uh, Benfica in Caixcaix at the weekend. Porto Manenche, on the other hand, going to be uh, taking on Gil Vicente at Barcelos. Um, so be interesting to see what happens with that. Dennis, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Is there anything else you want to say? I, I was just thinking about those two matches, just proper two goal matches. The in the one hour, like four pens, two miss, two successful red cards, just everything happening in those two matches. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely insane. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Definitely not uh, the last thanks for time. Being honest. Uh, a pleasure always. Definitely not the last time, Dennis. It was an absolute pleasure. And uh, best of luck to your Jill. I hope that they can uh, find themselves. I hope they can escape this relegation fight and uh, and get to mid-table. But yeah, absolute pleasure to have you on.